Hey guys, it's me, Heidi. I'm back. Um, This is episode three. I've been getting positive feedback from some of my family members and friends about this, so I think I'll just keep on going. Um, So episode three, I wanted to just discuss as best as I can everything else um, before I go on to episode four, where I'll start discussing um, living with sickle cell, like my day-to-day life, how do I get through things and stuff like that. But I realized that I really didn't give you guys much of an overview of what sickle cell is on like a um, genetic level. Um, So bear with me. Uh, I know there's a lot of lay people, for lack of a better term, that do not understand medical jargon. So I'm going to try my best to explain this in a way that a child would be able to understand not to condescend to you but just like so you can basically understand um well because I feel like a lot of people they get the generic version of sickle cell oh yeah it's a hereditary disease but they don't understand what makes it tick and why it's important for um you to know your status so basically sickle cell is a disease that is a hereditary hematological disease in which normal hemoglobin um, molecule is altered genetically. So um, you're born with uh, the genes that make up your hemoglobin, which consists of four, um, I guess, uh, globulin chains, which are like these sub chains that make up this one molecule that is responsible for um, oxygen transferring and um, carrying iron to the, throughout the body, those kind of things. Anyway, um, it basically is the what causes the functionality of red blood cells. Um, so the hemoglobin molecule um, has four globulin chains, as I mentioned, two alphas and two betas. Um, in sickle cells, the mutation occurs in the beta globulin chain. Uh, valine amino acid which we have which make up uh, the pairs of your DNA and stuff like that you have different types of uh, amino acids that uh, pretty much for lack of a better term I don't want to get too into it uh, they pretty much uh, the amino acids make up your your proteins which then makes up your your tissue and everything like that so a valine amino acid is substituted for where a glutamic acid would be in the sixth position of the beta globulin. It is a very detailed process in which your uh, DNA that makes up this molecule that makes up that makes up this uh, protein that makes up this chain that makes up this molecule is altered very slightly and causes severe damages or severe alterations which results in severe damages anyway so um, the glutamic acid is uh, substituted for the valine in the sixth position of the beta globulin polypeptide ultimately leading to the production of hemoglobin s this substitution causes the hemoglobin molecule to function incorrectly The red cell, which normally, um, like a hemoglobin A red cell, um, uh, normally travels through the microcirculation, i.e. like, you know, your your capillaries. You have your major circulation, which includes your arteries and your major veins 
and it breaks down and goes um gets smaller and smaller and smaller to these tiny tiny vein like things called capillaries which are able to transfer oxygen through the lining um oxygen and um pick up carbon dioxide from the tissues to bring them back to the the lung and this is how circulation goes through in your body anyway so your uh red blood cells are normally um biconcave discoid shape so basically imagine an oval round cell with the middle just depressed in which helps with the transferring of the oxygen and the carbon dioxide it basically helps the cell to breathe um it goes through these micro or the capillaries let's just say it goes through the capillaries but it's tiny so it has to squeeze through and when it squeezes through it squeezes into a shape so it can make it through until it has to go to a bigger vessel and then it extends back to its normal shape but um and then because of this i mean your red cells normally would um have a lifespan of 120 days but in comparison a sickle cell um i guess a sickle cell goes through the microcirculation the same way but when it's um time for it to uh change shape this is where the problem arises the valine causes um the cell to form these sticky uh when i say structural rods within the cell and it becomes rigid and often like a sickle shape hence the name sickle cell and those sickle cells sickle cells uh can either pass through those micro um uh circulations and either change shape completely or it changes shape and and slightly goes back or sometimes it even goes back to its normal shape but sometimes it stays in that shape more often it stays in that sickle shape and if you're lucky it leaves the microcirculation and is able to enter normal circulation um and at some point get uh either pitted out by the spleen or um it dies uh instead of the 120 days it uh often the lifespan of a sickle cell is anywhere from 20 10 to 20 days but um as i was saying those rods cause the cell to form a sickle like shape and sometimes uh it gets stuck in the microcirculation because it's it's sticky, it's rigid, and it's not moving as nicely, so it gets stuck, forming a um microocclusion which is known as a clot, like a tiny clot. Um that tiny clot leads to the surrounding tissues um not getting as much oxygen as it's supposed to get, which results in pain. Um speaking as a person with sickle cell, the pain is excruciating. I could only describe it as imagine let's just say the pain is in my leg. And I'm telling you this is in a micro circulation, so it's you can't even see it in like a MRI or, you know, whatever. Um that's how tiny it is. But the pain that it 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 causes 
is tremendous. It's like having your leg um, being run over by a car nonstop. And the car just staying on top of it and keep on going back and forth, keep on going back and forth. But the leg is, is not breaking. It's just right before it's breaking. That's the best way I can explain it. It's excruciating pain. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what causes sickle cell and causes the, the pain, um, which, you know, depending on the type of sickle cell you have, you have, um, major, um, medical, you know, uh, complications that could arise anywhere from heart attacks, uh, strokes, uh, loss of vision. Anyway, my SC disease has caused me to have... As I mentioned before, over 500 um, hospitalizations. Um, And this began as early as I want to say um, six months old. Um, I was diagnosed at birth. My parents both didn't know of their sickle cell trait status. So that was kind of scary for them to find out, you know, um, after I was born that you know they both had the trait and that if they were to have another child their child had one in four chances to um, have the sickle cell um, disease Um, anyway over the years I've learned to avoid my triggers so the pain episodes can happen at any time for any reason but sometimes as you grow up you know that certain things definitely trigger it for instance exposure to extreme weather so um if it's extremely cold outside or it's snowing or it's raining extreme weathers will trigger me quick like even though warmer weathers are are beneficial to me um they are if it's too hot i become more dehydrated and that causes me to get sick. If it's too cold, just to, just trying, you know, like when you're cold, you shiver a lot, you constrict a lot. The constriction is what causes more of the episodes from, you know, just being cold. Um, I've also learned to avoid high altitude, which also can trigger people with sickle cell. So we tend to not be in the high altitudes, to not be in the mountains. That's basically we stay away from that. There's a, uh, you know, difficulties in pregnancy, priapism for men, and priapism in men is pretty much, uh, like a, an extended painful, um, erection that, um, requires you to be hospitalized. So imagine having that kind of pain, but in your penis. So (laughs) that, that I can just imagine is, uh, horrendous. Anyway, um, according to the CDC... There's about an estimated number of uh, 100,000 Americans that are affected with sickle cell disease, the full-blown disease. Um, However, there are millions that uh, live in the United States that have, that carry the sickle cell trait. This is why it's important for you to know your status because, I'm skipping ahead here, sickle cell is classified as an autosomal recessive disorder which means um it requires one copy from each parent in order to develop the disease so if you have sickle cell trait 
and you don't know of it and you get involved with somebody who has sickle cell trait you guys have a possibility of developing a child with a the sickle cell disease i'm one of going off the top of my head stress stress is i want to say my number one trigger um so when i learned that it's crazy to try and say hey i'm gonna try to remove stress from your life because you know stress is part of life but what i did was i learned to deal better with stresses when they come up um having a coping mechanism learning how to de-stress on a daily basis whether it be painting writing drinking a cup of tea um shutting down all technology and just you know taking a moment to meditate wusa i wish i was doing that more often as far as the wusaing thing um but i really don't um i've gotten involved with one of my um line sisters and we've been doing yoga as a form of uh, avoiding stress um also fun fact um i have to try to avoid heartache so being in a relationship with a, a a boyfriend i can't even have too much of anything like if i'm overly excited and happy that also can trigger me and it's weird cuz you would think that happiness would be a great um medicine natural medicine but um i found that every time i get too happy i get it in the back of my mind i get slightly depressed from being too happy it doesn't make any sense whatsoever believe me i've tried to understand it um i get slightly depressed because you know often when you are happy um you're just few seconds away from that happiness being taken from you so um i'll get really happy and as i'm being happy i'm smiling and everything in the back of my mind i am counting down the moments till that happiness is taken away um i have to find ways to uh go through breakups and feel the pain without feeling the the absolute pain all at once so that's tricky um so yeah relationships are tricky for me to you know i have to stabilize my moods without actually being on a mood stabilizer which by the way doctors have tried to put me on some type of mood stabilizer because they know that it's a trigger of mine so like you know when you get a bill in um the mail and you know you don't have the money to pay it some people would sit there and stress about it and try to figure out how they're going to get money from Pete to pay Paul and i've learned from one of my cousins very wise guy uh he said hey you can't stress the things you can't change and i don't know whenever he said that to me it kind of clicked it was the best advice anyone had ever given me and since that moment my ability to um compartmentalize my stress and deal with it has improved tremendously so um you know it's life there are many things that are unavoidable stress comes extreme red, um conditions like rain you can't tell mother nature not to rain for 3 days at a time or 
you can't tell the weather not to get too cold or not to get too hot. Um, you can just uh, try to avoid those temperatures, try to avoid those conditions. But ultimately, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, uh, preparing myself for the, the possibility of getting sick at any moment um, is something that I do on a daily basis. I make sure that, you know, if I get sick right now at this moment, there is someone I can call to take care of my child. If I get sick right now at this moment, um, I have a bag set up with my um, change of clothes. Like, it's like a hospital bag. It's like a go bag. Ready to go to the hospital. I just take it and I go. At any point, if I get sick, I have what I need to get from point A to point B and to be okay. Um, After having a child, my main concern now is more... Who's going to take care of her? How do I maintain her normal life? Um, I want her to be... She knows that I have this illness. But I also don't want her to... Her day to be altered every time I get sick. And then for her to um, be worried about me and stressing about me. So, I've I've created... like I always, She also has a gold bag. We have a... Um, which I have to rewrite... Um, a list of her daily activities so I keep her on a schedule I'm going off script right now I keep her on a schedule so that if something happens at one point during the day someone could come in pick up her go bag and pick up her schedule and know what she's supposed to do when she's supposed to do it I feel like if you keep your child on a not a tight schedule but on like a schedule they feel more secure in their scheduled program so that when something pops up, it doesn't completely derail them. But I digress. Two parents with sickle cell trait has one in four chances every time they have a child to um, um, have a child with sickle cell. Um, Well, in my family, my parents had three of us full-blown and I was the only one um, with the full-blown disease. And I'm not entirely sure, but I don't even think that the rest of them have the trait. My luck. Anyway, um, I was born... Um, sickle cell has several forms of sickle cells. There is SS, which is the, the worst kind. And then the one right under SS would be SC. I've had um, several major um, life-changing events, I should say, um, that, you know, caused me, without a shadow of doubt, to um, either get sick or have to um, implement some of my coping skills. Um, Just to start off, when I was 16 years old, um, everybody's getting ready for my sweet 16 It was the first one of the family that I've ever seen. Like, my parents, we've done birthday parties. They've been important and everything in our our family. But um, my parents definitely made an emphasis on on celebrating my sweet 16. And then one of my aunts, um, I don't know for what reason she decided this was the best time to tell me. She was like, basically, hey... 
uh, enjoy your sweet 16, the reason they're doing such a uh, big thing for you is because you weren't expected to live past the age of 16. So, my adolescent mind, <laughs> we I thought, hey, well, I wasn't plan- supposed to live past 16. Every year past 16 is a blessing, is a, a moment for me to live my life to the fullest. So, I started taking more risk. I started... Um, one would say enjoying life more, but, um, looking back, I did love the fact that I enjoyed life more. Um, I also have the mentality that, you know, um, life isn't a given, it's a blessing. So, um, I do make more of my days than I used to before. Like I take a moment to stop and smell the roses, but I also, take a moment to let the people that I love and appreciate know that I appreciate them because too often I've met people who've had members of their family or friends that died and they're like wow you know this is the last thing I said to them or I never got to tell them I love them I will never be the person that has something happen to them where a person in my life that has a a significant importance doesn't know that they are a significant person in, the, in my life because I make it like my mission to let them know that that's how I feel about them. Anyway, so that was 16. About 15 years ago, however, um, I was raped by my um, ex-boyfriend on campus he didn't even go to campus uh the campus put me on suspension as if it was my fault for being raped and then barred me from going to areas of the campus that uh other people were around like they were really trying to hide me I wasn't allowed to go to the cafeteria I worked in student government and I wasn't even allowed to go to the activities that I was uh planning I had like a little bit of a, an emotional break, you know, was able to talk to some people and um, was people were there to advocate for me. Um, I mean, there are some, you know, horrible people in this life uh, and, you know, you can't let the actions of others break you. Um, ultimately, it's your job to lift yourself up. And that's exactly what I did. Some people ask me, how did I deal with the rape? And I tell you, my way of dealing with things that hurt too much, um, it may not be the right way, but I can't change it. I can't change what someone has done to try to break me, but rising above it. So that means for me, taking it, acknowledging that the pain exists, acknowledging that something was done to me and this is how I feel, and like taking a... uh, mason jar if you have it (laughs) and taking all that emotion taking all that feeling and putting it in there now I say mason jar because you could see through a mason jar like I could see the pain I can see the event that caused the pain but it's sealed in a jar it can't infect me it can't affect me anymore and I take that jar and I place it in a like refrigerator if you want to have it it's on ice 
it's not something that's gonna break loose and and affect me later on now do I have moments where I'm triggered by that yes um I have slight PTSD from that um from the rape because certain things like certain colognes or or um ways certain person would touch me like if I'm restrained will trigger me and it will take me back to that moment and you know I have to take a moment breathe and put that feeling back in that jar and seal it off again but it's not often that that happens um and then 14 years ago I hate saying it 14 years ago, 15 years ago, because it makes you feel like I'm old. But God bless me with time, and so I'm going to keep saying it. 14 years ago, I had a major episode which caused me to be in a medically induced coma for about a month. Um, Till this day, I've had several doctors have differing opinions. Um, One doctor had said that it was TTP, which translates to thrombotic thrombocytopenic, proper mouthful basically the gene that codes for you to um break down your platelets to very small molecules had misfired and wasn't working properly in me leading to large platelets forming or large clots forming throughout my body including my brain but when I moved to Atlanta I had um one of the you know specialists works with sickle cell tell me no it wasn't TTP in fact um, since I still have my spleen which long story short people with sickle cell tend to have to get their spleen removed or after a while the spleen just shrivels up and dies but mine is very much um, active and it was misfiring causing um, platelets to to clump up in my system Um, and depositing in my brain, my lungs, my kidneys. Pretty much 14 years ago, everything started shutting down for no apparent reason. Um, People asked me, did you have a cold? Did you? No, I came home from um, working. I was laying in bed with my boyfriend at the time. Um, That's Farmer. I'm not going to name my ex-boyfriends by their names for the fear that they might, not fear, but like, you know, Times have changed, and there's no reason to put them on blast, but whatever. Um, So, yeah, I was laying in bed with Farmer, and, uh, you know, I fell asleep in his arm, and about 10 minutes later, he said he tried to wake me up because I was burning up as if I had a fever, and he tried to wake me up for about five minutes, and I wasn't waking up. Then when I finally woke up, I was in excruciating pain. I couldn't sit, stand. I didn't know who I was, where I was, what was going on. And mind you, we had only been dating for probably two months. He picked me up, took me to the hospital, called my family. And then I woke up two months late, like two months later, one month later. Um, <laughs> funny story, my dad said if it was him, he would have dropped me off at the hospital and walked away. But he was a good guy. He stayed, he commiserated with me. I mean, the reason they call him Pharma is because while I was in the hospital sick in a coma, he, uh, you know, didn't shave, like barely looked like he was upkeeping himself. It was almost like he was mourning 
uh, the girlfriend that he just started having. Anyway, it was kind of cute. Um, so then seven years ago, um, probably like, was it seven years ago? Yeah, Haley six. Seven years ago, I ended my long-term relationship with the, um, the farmer due to infidelity on his part, not mine. Um, and I had the worst, like, heartbreak. And I tried my hardest to get over it. But you know that I, re- I tell people all this time that the best way over someone is under someone. So I started spiraling out of control. Well, basically, the reason why I was mourning that relationship more than I mourn other relationships is because at that time, we had been together for seven years and we were trying to have a child. Uh... My doctor just recommended it because they felt like, you know, um, financially I was at a good place, stable, and school, um, what was I doing at that point? Um, I was, I had just graduated from one of my degrees and I was studying for my boards and basically they were like, yo, you know, if you really want to have a child, this is the best time to have a child. So me and him, we sat down, we spoke about it. He said, yeah, let's have a kid. You know, ultimately, I'm the person he wants to marry. He's not ready for marriage yet. But if my time is running out to have a child, he's all for it. Um, I think he was just lying about that. Because when it came time when I was ovulating to try and have a child, he always found a reason to um, avoid it. And then whenever we did try... Um, it's almost like, I want to say it was God because, um, not God because of the reason why I was doing it. I feel like it was God because of the person I was with. Um, cause his man juices for like, I don't want to get into it. They burned. And my doctor basically told me that some people are not compatible on a chemical or biological, um, basis and I I thought that couldn't possibly be but definitely was um I don't know what it was it just his man juices burned every time uh and I'm saying not burn like you know oh that hurts no like it burned um so yeah I went in detail with that um (laughs) anyway um so uh after trying to get over him I got Involve, back involved with my ex. I want to say fiance. We weren't engaged that long, but I call him my ex fiance. Let's call him the corpsman. Okay, I got involved with the corpsman, but um, before I got involved with the corpsman, I was involved with the best friend. Um, my best friend held me down. He knew what I was going through and while we up until that point just had a friendship relationship um he definitely helped me get over my ex a lot and just communicating ice creams laughing studying for our boards but then ultimately we got involved sexually which was the best experience let me not just get into that but whatever um 
And then when I started catching feelings for him and I knew that, you know, our relationship was best staying off as, you know, friendship, um, platonical, (laughs) if you want to call it, (laughs) um, I got up and I just said, listen, I can't stay here any longer. And I left. Um, I left to go to the Corman's house. uh, And while I was at the Corman's house, I enjoyed peace and quiet. Well, as much quiet as I can because his nieces and nephews were there visiting. So I was essentially playing house. But I was, it was peace and quiet because I had turned off my phone. I was focusing on myself and my, my boards, going to the pool every day. Um, and he treated me very well. Um, ultimately, we got re-involved. And I thought things were going to go somewhere. And they didn't. And yes, as I said, re-involved best way over one person is under another person so I called that period of my time that let's say year that I was getting over my um the farmer um my um spinning out of control year (laughs) so I went from the farmer to the best friend from the best friend to the corpsman um then I left the corpsman came back home and I got involved with who? Oh, um, my child's father. Um, let's call him the vet. Um, got involved with the vet, and basically it started off as, hey, um, what's going on, friend? I've known him since he was a kid. We knew each other from church. And... You know, I told him what the doctors had said and how um, heartbroken I am that um, I'm going to lose my opportunity to have a child because of my ex of seven years. And, you know, he had asked me, why didn't I ask the best friend? I did ask the best friend, if everybody wants to know. And the best friend basically told me he's not in a position to have a child right now, which I have to respect. So, um, you know, I told him that and then I went about my business. Um, and then one day he hits me up and he says, Hey, I'm not doing shit with my life anyway. Let me do this for you. Um, so we set down some ground rules and terms and conditions. And his main condition was that, you know, I had to tell my parents what was going on. And so I did. And so we did. Um, in the process of trying to have a child, we actually started falling for each other, started liking each other. And I think I was still in my spinning out of control moment um, with my emotions all over the place and so (laughs) um, by the time I decided to break up with him which was about three months later I had already been pregnant for two months Um, I ended up going to my cousin's wedding and noticing that you know I couldn't hold my liquor I wasn't feeling too good Um, My clothes weren't fitting. I thought it was because we were in New Orleans, but that wasn't the case. Um, Everybody's like, hey, why don't you just pee on a stick? And I was like, well, no, I don't want to ruin my vacation. So I kept on, you know, enjoying myself in New Orleans, as people do. Um, When I got back home, um, the vet was trying to get back with me. And um, he ended up spending the night, you know, just as he was collecting his stuff. I decided, hey, let me go pee on the stick, and voila, 
woke up and you know looking at the stick the stick didn't take two seconds and it said I was pregnant best experience of my life also um when I was uh giving birth to my child I had a horrible time at giving birth to my child um you know she was born on April 22nd love of my life best thing I've ever done and it's because of her I stopped spinning out of control um Basically, after my daughter was born, I didn't care about the heartbreak. Didn't care about the guys and this, that, and the third. I just didn't care because she was, you know, so much more than that. Um, so, yeah, uh, while I was giving birth to her, however, I flatlined on the table. Um, so, six years ago, I flatlined on the table. Um... The doctors pretty much were about to call, you know, announce me as being dead. And then I came to by myself. Um, They moved me to their cardiac ICU. I've had, I was uh, having cardiac um, um, arrhythmia. So weird heartbeats, um, elevated heartbeats. And ended up staying in the um, cardiac ICU in the cardiac unit for the next two weeks before I was able to hold my child. Um, So thank you, good Sam, for all you've done because they definitely, you know, didn't let me slip into depression, which, um, if you don't know, is a side effect of being on all these painkillers and, um, you know, dealing with pain is depression. So, yeah, uh... I had a horrible time with childbirth and my doctors pretty much threatened me and told me that um, while I am capable of getting pregnant again and they're not entirely sure of what will happen, they don't think that I should take the chance of getting pregnant again. So that's that. Um, But I've had several things that have happened like, you know, uh, Almost lost all my sight. Slightly was going. I'm, I feel like I'm still losing some of my hearing. Um, I've had um, severe migraines that felt like a, a crown of thorns was going through my head. Um, pneumonia on and off. Uh, ear infections on and off. Um, on top of the pain episodes that happen about three or four times a year. Um, on my healthier years is the three or four times a year. Um, but I've had it early on where it was like every month, twice a month or every other month, twice a month. Um, let's see. What else have I had besides the coma? The coma was the worst. Um, I've had coma light episodes since that resulted in the same treatment as when I was in a coma, which is like plasmapheresis. Meaning they just took out my cell, my my plasma from my um, from my blood, and they gave me new plasma, remixed it, and put it back in. Um, I think Scott have never had a stroke or anything. Um, I've had uh, several bone infarcts, which pretty much is a crisis where the blood vessels that are leading to the bone 
um, are blocked off and the bone and the muscle and tissue around the bone start to die off and it causes extreme pain. Um, I couldn't even walk or move my arms and that took about two weeks to get over and to deal with that pain they they had to hop me up. I was on um, what they call it lose the word but that you know I normally have you know morphine or dilaudid but they had morphine dilaudid in my um, system and uh, I want to say the same drug that killed uh, Prince can't remember the name fentanyl there you go I had a fentanyl patch on and I would tell you I was higher than the kite in the sky like I didn't know if I was coming or going um what day it was but the pain kept persisting through the the pain treatments so I totally understand how somebody could get addicted to painkillers if they have that kind of pain um but to me it just never makes me feel good like I take it to take away the pain I don't take it to feel good like so whatever Anyway, um, yeah, and for the last year, I've been, oh, nope, correction, three years ago, um, I moved to Georgia after losing my job, um, so yeah, that was that, um, yeah, um, and pretty much I lost my job because of the sickle cell. Which then forced me, my doctor, to put me on total disability. Which I love and hate at the same time. I love the fact that I have the ability to be around my daughter um, more than I was when I was working. But I hate the fact that I'm not as busy on an intellectual level um, as I used to be. Um, I'm about eight classes shy of my PhD ran out of money so if anybody out there want to pay for my PhD feel free um so yeah uh let's see what else oh the last guy I dated um was we're gonna call him the African we met in in my PhD program he was a couple of um semesters ahead of me and so hopefully now he has his uh PhD but ultimately it didn't work out is because we wanted two different things. He also, he was basically using me to get his son full-time, but he wasn't willing to change his life so that he can take care of his son. I mean, because of his job in the CDC, he had to go back and forth to Africa to do uh, polio vaccinations. You know, great job. But the type of person I am, when you're dating me, I need attention. I need you to be... Like, even if you're not, you know, we're not having sex or we're not speaking, I like to share the silence with somebody. I like to just, you know, lay down, watch TV or read a book or whatever and um, just have that person near me. Um, For you to be gone for a month or two at a time and barely able to communicate with you and then when you come back, you know, you know, you're not really trying to communicate with me. I don't like that at all. So... That was that relationship. I basically was feeling like I was being used and not appreciated. 
Like, he was okay with me staying in his very big house. Um, but pretty much like a housewife. Uh, I know I'm not working, but I'm not a housewife. I definitely am not a wife. I do not have a ring on my finger. So I feel like that was something that we needed to discuss before you decided to insert me in that role. Because it benefited you. As I said, I have to keep myself emotionally stable so that it doesn't trigger my sickle cell. So I often don't get into relationships that I feel aren't going anywhere. People's like, oh, what? Well, how do you know if a relationship's going somewhere? I feel like open communication is definitely key to know where the relationship's going. Um, I don't believe in playing games, so I left that for when I was a teenager in my early 20s or whatever. Um, So I definitely open communication, honesty. Um, You never know what a woman's willing to accept if you don't ask them. You know, that's one of the things I've, I've learned from my parents is the communication is the golden ticket to a proper, uh, a functioning relationship. So, I hope you, uh, you know, enjoyed this. Uh, so basically, that brings you to today. Um, living in Georgia, my daughter's in first grade. Um... I'm talking to someone. Um, Hopefully it goes somewhere. Talking to someone, not actually dating that person. So, um, you know, you got to get to know the person and give yourself time to get to know that person. Um, I am the sum of my experiences. So I am grateful for my past experiences. But those experiences are not what make me in my entirety. Um, I have so much more that I'm capable of. Um, So I think, you know, ultimately my closing remark would be love yourself. um, Accept your your past. uh, And appreciate what you go through in life to get to where you got to be in life. And that's all. And hopefully next episode I can start talking to you about being a coma and what that means. Um, Love you guys. Bye.